The love affair continues. It's the 2019 Canadian International Auto Show, presented by the Toronto Star and Wheels.ca. The biggest, the best, it's the passion within us. Auto Exotica, presented by Castrol, the world's finest automobiles. Seen for the first time ever in North America, the Devil 16, a hypercar like no other. Visit the Allstate booth for your chance to win a one-year lease on the 2019 Volvo XC90. Terms and conditions apply. You're in good hands with Allstate. You pump, we pay. A chance to win free gas for a year from CAA. Win the gas, then try for a new ride. Imagine winning $50,000 towards your next new car in the TADA 50K giveaway. Light up the night every night with Sirius XM and save $6 on admission after 6 p.m. The 2019 Auto Show, presented by the Toronto Star and Wheels.ca. The passion within us. Metro Toronto Convention Center, on now until February 24th. Tug lightly on this bowl of mine Well, my screen has seen some better times Well, my buddy poked a hole Now my weed falls deep inside Please tug lightly on this bowl of mine Good evening, I'm Coulter Wonkite I'm already into the 420, damn it! Legacy 420 has medicinal and recreational products down to a science, literally. With two biochemists on staff and a chief scientific advisor, every product is tested in the Legacy 420 laboratory. Legacy 420, Tyndanaga. Open 9 to 9 every day. Visit Legacy420.com. So what are you doing? Nothing. Nothing? Why not? Trying to get on the Slice Out Radio website. Sounds like a cool website. Yeah, it's all right. Oh. You're listening to Lifestyle Radio. The opinions expressed during this show are those of the individual participants and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of their associated organizations or Lifestyle Radio. Where where, where are you, Al? Uh, 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 go ahead, Ira. You're on I know, live. but I'm just, you're sitting and why you're not sitting in front of us, with us. Well, We missed you, know, you here. It's because of the weather, buddy. You, you know here, okay, well, before I get started, I want to go on my rant about the weather. <laughs> we are in fucking Canada, everybody. Like, who grew up with snow? I grew up with snow. Yeah. For some reason, we've become really sensitive to this idea of snow on the ground, don't drive. No, I haven't. But that's only over the last, like, 10 years. Yeah, I think the driving in this snow has gotten, like, the, worse. The, the main reason well, I'm not there is because yeah. I'm at Gunjanistas three days a week, and Wednesdays is my day off when I do shows at home. Okay, well, we miss you here. I did swear once. And yes, guys, we have our swear jar back here. This oh, time good. I brought about, I don't know, we have about $20 inside it and $5 and quarters. So we should do, we should do all right. Hey, everybody, and welcome. And sorry for being away for so long. It's, I think, been two months since we've done an episode of The Higher Estate, mainly because myself and Al have been really sick. Uh, I Honestly, I, I was sick from June till last month. With maybe in between that, like a month or two without having to cough. Remember, I was coughing constantly, mm. doing the clearing the throat, the whole thing. Honestly, I think I have emphysema or I'm dying. Okay, no, that was a joke. But that's my paranoid self talking. You sound like but, an old Jewish lady. Yeah, right. Well, <laughs> I kind of am. <laughs> I kind of am. Uh, I, I am old now and I am Jewish. So I, I, you know, I've got two of those criteria filled. So I want to welcome everybody back to the higher estate. And we are actually going to like, we're going to sound off with a huge, 
bang because we have an amazing, awesome human that's here today. And uh, I'm uh, I'm really happy to have uh, Vince uh, Luciani. Did I get it right? Got it, yeah. Beautiful. Nobody usually gets that. Right? It, well, because yeah. you know what happens when you're awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I read all your mindful training, and now I'm just awesome. I don't need that anymore. No, I'm kidding. Um, so just before we get started and we talk to, we talk to uh, Vince, um, let's talk about what's been happening in the cannabis world for a little bit. I think the last time I was on was probably just around legalization. Actually, uh, Al, yeah. the last time I was on was from Gunjanistas. Mm-hmm. That was on legalization day. Was it really? Day. Yes, yeah. it was. Yes, sir. We, we, we sat there. You had to leave several times. You know, I remember that. Oh, there was I, one time did, I was on did, after we that. We did one more recording after that, and you should put something in the yeah. swear jar. I should. Did I swear? Yeah. <laughs> oh, shoot. Um, okay. Uh, uh, Tyler, your mic is really low. Just so yeah, you know. I'll just disclaim, Mom, hopefully, or again, my mother hates when I swear, and she hates when her friends listen to the show, and then they say, sorry, I'm going to give you a four out of five because you swore too much. So <laughs> I, I also have a Jewish mother, and she hates that stuff. She's been calling cannabis that stuff stuff all my life she's getting used to it now but she well, calls it that stuff i got my mother is now using cannabis my mother-in-law's using everybody's using cannabis because uh it's the paradigm shift it's the it's the conscious shift of the medical world moving away from this sorry the the ancient patriarchal i say this all the time the, the take this pill go home and if it doesn't work uh you know Guys, I'm going to be out of $5 really quick. Anybody got – there's some dimes in there. Right, call us in 48 hours. So what's been happening in the – I don't remember what we were talking about, Al, but anyways, I'm going to go back to what I was saying. So what's happening in the cannabis world since legalization? Um, Well, I think the most noticeable thing that's happened here in in our city in Hamilton and uh, is the closure of uh, of most of the dispensaries. and I know I was talking with Al earlier on and talking with some friends who had dispensaries that uh, it, it's quite an unfortunate shift uh, from that perspective. I'll tell you, like three months ago – or no, shit, three months ago, shoot. <laughs> three months ago was uh, was legalization. So it was even before that. It was probably in September when I met with one of the ward MPP – NPP, right? That's the yeah. yep. met with the MPP and they were actually super happy that we had dispensaries in our city. I was sort of I was actually taken quite aback by it because uh, from my perspective, when when uh, the uh, Doug Ford government got in, uh, they were going to allow for proper uh, a proper democracy and allow for privatization of uh, of the cannabis shops. So I went in and spoke to one of the. Uh, like the head guy, MPP, I won't mention his name. And uh, he was he was super happy that we already had dispensaries. And he's like, mm, it doesn't really matter if we have these legalized places because we're happy. Nobody complains about them. They pay their taxes, blah, blah, blah. And then that woman got up there and said, well, I made $85,000 today and didn't pay any tax. I think that changed a lot of people's opinions yes. um, when she did that. But in the meantime, so they closed these things. Now, as a physician, how do I feel about that, right? So as a f- physician who promotes health and wellness, from one perspective, I'm saying, well, we're now following, you know, we have to follow the you know, law, uh, but what if law is unjust? What do we do about that? And then what do we do about quality assurance? These places are not regulated. My whole idea, which is why I sat on that um, 
while I was that expert witness there for uh, for Clint in his in his case there in Toronto uh, for the purpose of having a dispensary. My whole goal was so that we can regulate dispensaries instead of throwing them out. In the meantime, they've closed all of them. They find these guys, and a lot of people are left without medicine. Am I wrong by saying that, Al? Uh, not at all. Uh, you know how I feel about it, uh, and I and I want to say. And I've asked if I can say this, Natural Green Healing on King Street is open for medical patients. Sorry, did I? you ask me that? No, I'm telling you. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you clearly didn't tell me that. I had no idea. Okay, because, uh, yeah, most of them, most of them are most, most of them, of them are Most of them are closed a lot, and, and they are going after the wreck, uh, the wreck guys. They, they've really punched uh, Georgia Peach in the head. Uh, yeah. there are a few dispensaries that are running, uh, as they should be medically and, and are hoping that, um, trying to choose my words, right. They're hoping that we can kind of convince somebody that the model that we are adhering to is what the courts have said has to be. Yeah. Yeah, okay. no, for sure. I think that there's, I mean, we're in the first iteration, actually That's we're in right. the second yeah. iteration and it's going to just keep developing. So eventually we're going to get there right now from a medical perspective. I'm happy that we have LPs that are doing it. The problem is all this taxation that's coming on, which will eventually at the end lead me to, well, you know, Synergy's now partnered with Bywell and Bywell Care. So we have cannabis coverage for patients who want cannabis and it's fully, um, and it's a non, uh, there's, really? uh, Oh yeah, and there's we need no to talk um, more about that. Then. And there's no barriers, so it's uh, you know a guaranteed issued product. You can just go on buywell.com and find it now. Uh, you can just put in the calculator, see how much you're going to save. Anyway, it's a great opportunity uh, for uh, for the whole community and for the medical community. So I think there's some positives and there's some negatives to that. Uh, yeah. You know, we've also had the Ontario lottery, which was the opposite. I mean, I guess one could say that's like true democracy. The problem is like it was 25 random fucking people. OK, um, who got uh, who were who were chosen. And that's when all shit broke loose. Oh, uh, Mom, I'm going to stop from now on. That's when it all <laughs> like that's when that's when it all all stopped where I think we're. You know, when when greed took over, you know, I knew one of the people who won this lottery. And so I called him up. I said, hey, anything you need help with, I'm there to help. He goes, oh, no, no, we already have a lawyer. We're trying to sell the thing. We're selling these licenses for $5 million. Yeah. We're partnering with these other – everybody's trying to make some money. And uh, and that's when uh, I think the compassion and the purpose of having the medical cannabis um, in the first place sort of in my mind, it just – I lost a little bit of respect. But at the same time, on the flip side of that, it did allow for people to – I'm not against capitalism at all. I think it's okay for people to make a fair living as long as there's a fair exchange oh, for whatever. However, they, they haven't been. This hasn't been fair at all, Ira. They have for, completely I, removed any way for a medical patient to walk into a storefront and say, "Hey, what? What? They're not even allowed when they open OCS in Ontario. They're not even allowed to say, this is what I thought about it.'" This is what I thought about this strain, and I think it might work for what you got. That's what I get when I go into a dispensary from a bud tender. They know what they're talking about. They've tried the strains. They've talked to other patients, and you it, can't... But, but 
but still, Al, still following, you know, follow, we still have to follow law. The dispensary yeah. at the end of the day was still illegal. There is a way to do it properly. And I think, you know, eventually we're going to get there. They are allowing stores, basically this stupid 25 person, you know, people who won these, this lottery, which is super ridiculous. Um, it just gives them a year advantage. At the end of the day, everybody who wants to be in it, I think will have that opportunity. I hope they will. And if not, there'll be a lot of constitutional challenges. And, you know, in Canada, where Canada does. There already is a few. There are already a few challenges already. Yep. Yeah, of course there are. And where Canada, you know, where the government loses every time is in the court of law. So, I mean, I think our our judicial system will hold up and uh, eventually we'll uh, we'll be able to get through that. Okay. so what else is happening? This is interesting. So most of you probably don't know this. The Niagara Medical Association probably shouldn't be saying this, but whatever, because I'm a doctor. (laughs) (laughs) The Niagara Medical, but but I I got the coat to prove it. Uh, I may not have the license, but I know. Uh, I'm kidding. Uh, Can you cut that out? (laughs) I'm just kidding. Now we're live. Yeah, yeah, I'll say that's right. Yeah, so the Niagara Medical Association put out their little – uh, statement uh, that was very anti-cannabis, oh, and uh, and so I got a call from an LP, and I'll tell you, I'm actually quite impressed with Tilray. Tilray's done some really good education, but I got a call from Tilray, which is a licensed producer, and these guys called me up and said, "Listen, the uh, medical association or the, uh, of the Niagara Medical Association has put out this uh, negative um, stand on or stance on uh, cannabis." Uh, for medical purposes, uh, would you mind going? But they're willing to listen to somebody talk to them. Would you, Ira, mind going to talk, give this lecture? And, uh, you know, I, it is a huge responsibility for me to do that, but I've been doing it for almost a decade now. And uh, so, you know, my goal isn't to convince them. I'm not there to convince them. I'm there to show them the evidence. And uh, hopefully, you know, the problem is people have what I call confirmation bias. Confirmation bias, you know, the, our own thought process and our own beliefs and values that we were brought up with, that's sort of how we see the world. And I'm sure you go into this stuff a lot. I really want to know why legacy is upside down. We're going to talk about that. Yeah, you were told. Right, yeah, yeah, no, good. <laughs> Feel free to interrupt. I talk, I talk a lot. Um, so it is a lot of responsibility, but uh, I feel like I'm going to go. I'm going to provide them the evidence. They can make their own decision. Uh, but they need to use reason, logic, and evidence-based principles. If we continue to live in an age that isn't reason, which is our old civilization, uh, you know, where we have copper mines, uh, then certainly. But we, we're far beyond the, the copper age or the, uh, you know, whatever came before that or after that. I don't, I don't, I don't really fucking know, but it sounded good to say. <laughs> Bronze age, right. It sounded really good to say at that moment. So I thought I'd throw it in there to sound smart. Okay. Uh, okay. So let's move on from that. We have LPs that are trying to hit every market. Of course we have, uh, uh, I, and I think they're forgetting a little bit about the, uh, the, the medical market. The, you know, uh, the LPs for the first quarter here seem to get lost in the uh, in recreation and in the lifestyle market, forgetting that the medical market in Canada uh, is is not going anywhere. Not only is it not going anywhere, I think, and Tyler, correct me, what's happened since we've uh, since legalization? A lot of people that were uncomfortable with the idea of medical cannabis before, but now that it's countrywide legal, are opening up to it and coming in for consultations. Referrals have 
increasing. We're about 30% yeah. higher. I think we're having a 30% increase is what Ontario is seeing. I've heard that yeah. places like Calgary haven't, but out West is a totally different, like totally different. They had an field. established system for years and years right. and years yeah. in Vancouver and in BC and that. So like yeah, with Vancouver, the compassion crops and everything like that. Yeah, for sure. So I think, you know, what we're seeing here is, is the consequence of legalization, which is great from a medical perspective. People are willing to come in and, uh, and that's also great. I sort of talked to you already a little bit about Bywell. We'll talk about it throughout as we get into it. Don't worry. I have a great intro for you. Dun, da, da, da. <laughs> we're getting to you. We're still, I've been away for three, four months. Like I'm, I'm into it. Uh, there's a really awesome, um, uh, what's the what's it called? Campaign. campaign. That's the word. I couldn't remember that word. Uh, there's an awesome campaign. Do you want to talk about that? By the way, Tyler's the co-host here, and Tyler is the Canada Care Specialist Educator here at Synergy. So, so Aurora started a campaign, and they're joining together with a lot of other licensed producers to stop the taxation of med- medical cannabis. So I don't know if everyone knows, but prescription drugs aren't taxed in Canada. Only cannabis is. So they're working with other licensed producers to bring it forward to the government. To stop the taxation of medical cannabis. Yeah, so you can find that at AuroraMJ.com. Skip that part. We're going to fucking plug Aurora. Um, Oh, it is? I thought it's that cannabis tax ticker. So the cannabis tax ticker is actually the amount of money that has been spent on taxation of medical cannabis within Canada (laughs) since the beginning in 2002. Right. And it's well over $200 million. Wow. And it's climbing every second. That's pretty intense. I'm just going to put in like this thing. You need my phone here a second. Here you go. There you go. Okay. So finally, I think one of the, and this is going to lead us into what, you know, into talking to Vince today. Cause that's really what I, what we want to talk about. Um, cannabis research. He's like, why the hell does that have anything to do with me? Oh, you'll see. You'll see my loose associations. I make connections between things that make no sense, but it's there. Um, so, you know, since legalization, even just before it, there's been some amazing research that's starting to come out. Um, uh, Tilray's done the TOPS trial, and I presented that at O Cannabis in BC probably uh, two or three – or back in December. But then uh, my own trial um, – uh, from uh, Cannabis Research Associates called COST, Cannabis for Opioid Substitution Therapy. It's nearly done. We're like maybe 100 patients away from hitting our target. And uh, man, the reduction in, in opioids is like overwhelming. We're over 80% uh, of patients who have been using cannabinoids have been able to reduce their opioids. Good. But uh, and, and the research just coming out more and more and more. And people, people just need, we're going to start seeing more of that stuff uh come out but that brings me to one of the things that i think uh i think vince is going to help us with today and i just i want to hear about about what he does and and how we can because i think a lot of the principles that you talk about are um are able to are fall into the into our category because we have a lot of people and people that listen to this not only athletes who listen to this uh but we're also talking about chronic pain patients we're talking about patients that suffer from mental health, PTSD, um, and general population that um, that are stuck, and we def- and, and are defining themselves by their disease process. I'm a chronic pain sufferer. That's like the number, and and but we validate that. Mm-hmm. We're here and we're validating the chronic pain. I'm a chronic pain sufferer, but uh, and but if I validate that, is that who I am? 
is, and so is, I hear you talking a lot about is what I do who I am. Does that define me? So let me introduce you to uh, to Vince. So proud Hamiltonian. For three uh, years now. Yes. For, okay. Oh, really? <laughs> Damn it! And I thought I did all this. Do your research. research. Ah, <laughs> what? Listen. Three years. Listen. <laughs> Not Irish swear jar. <laughs> uh, so. Proud Hamiltonian, and I'm a mess. Things are all over today. Um, and one of your quotes, you said, your life and legacy are not defined by what you do. And I want to talk about that. You received your master's in coaching education from Ohio State. I feel Ohio like, University. Ohio, right, Ohio University. Right. Uh, I went to school in the U.S. as well. Nice. We're about Lindenwood University in St. Louis. Yeah, I've definitely heard Lindenwood. Yeah, yeah, man. I feel like there was something you had to say about his school. I thought you went to Ohio State. Um, yeah, there's always somebody always has something yeah. to say about Ohio State, but we are <laughs> definitely not Ohio State or Ohio University. Oh, that's Good funny because yeah, yesterday when I'm like, when I was like, oh yeah, Ohio State. Or, oh. right <laughs> he, he went off <laughs> for, <laughs> for ten minutes. He's like, I don't like the what are Badgers? I don't Buckeyes. Know, Buckeyes, Buckeyes, whatever. Yeah, it had to be. I was yeah. I was close. All right, <laughs> see my my sport knowledge. All right, tie cats goes there and stops. Perfect. Um, <laughs> you've been coaching in CFL, NCAA. You've done D1 um, coaching and also like mindfulness training for these guys. In 2018, you won some award, the Life Coach of the Year Award, which is kind of cool. I want an award. No one gives me awards. <laughs> I want an award. Nobody, they're like, we give you an award. Three months off. <laughs> you get an award for cannabis behavior. Um, anyway, so I want to talk about that. First, maybe just, you know um, – I will, actually, where I want to start is the label, the label. And if we if we're defined by are we defined by what who we are? If I say I'm a chronic pain sufferer, like that, how do we see the world that way? How does the rest of the world look? But uh, before we get there, you know, tell me a little bit about yourself and what the what the hell <laughs> legacy is doing spelled out. Take a take a picture of this guy's shirt. I love it. Uh, that's how I lead my life upside down, yeah, backwards. Yeah, me too. So me too. tell me, like, what's happening? So the um, who I'll are you? A, yeah, I'll give you a, yeah. a little bit of a backstory as to why. Yeah. How'd you get this? Trip, right. Yeah. yeah. So um, my whole life, I was always uh, an athlete. So yeah. I played basketball, football, track, just about everything, and I I played all the way through university. So I played five years at Laurier, um, and in that time, went through a really dark time. So I got diagnosed with depression, anxiety. Two learning disabilities, ADD, um, you know, you take the pills, kind of move through, whatever. And then, um, yeah, really dark time, uh, but carried the label of being an athlete. That was really a really strong um, uh, belief of mine. And then I got, when I was done playing, I got into coaching. So I coached with the Cats for a year, coaching in Subway with Ohio for two years, and then bought into the idea to be a coach, right? So you just kind of switch the label. Um, and then what happened was I had, a, I had a really bad knee injury when I was in Ohio. So I ruptured my patella tendon. And, uh, and so I had, I had to have emergency surgery down there and then it was right before spring break. So I had to get shipped back. So, um, so my best friend came down to get me, mm -hmm. drove me home. Um, and then within about two months realized that I didn't want to go back and coach. I just realized I didn't really belong there. And so I had to find a job. So I limped my way into a Lululemon. I knew that. I heard that. Naz was telling me about this that. This is where it gets funny. Yeah. So, so I get hired at Lululemon. I remember she's like, you're a guy and you want to work here. I was like, yeah, for sure. So why not? Why not, right? 
So first week, uh, my manager takes me out for coffee. She sits me down. Sorry, how did you get to Lululemon though? You got looped in from being a coach. Like, how does one so, get from? So to be how does one honest, I limped my way into the Nike outlet. They weren't hiring, so I was like, you know what? Love the Lululemon boxers. I'm going to go. To yeah, Lululemon like you too. And then uh, and so and then I just got got hired. And so my manager took me out for for coffee, which is a common uh, common occurrence in the Lululemon culture. Is she, coffee. No, take you know taking oh, okay. employees for yeah. All right, all right. Everybody, it's like, there we go to Starbucks. Nice plug, so, yeah, okay. Right? But uh, she sits me down and she goes, Vince, who are you? And I wow. remember I was like, I'm a football coach. What do you mean? She's like, No, that's just what you do. Who are you? And in that moment, I actually broke down in tears. Like I'll never forget it um, because I realized for 27 years of my life, I let what I did on the outside define who I was on the inside. And so since that moment, I've committed to not only not defining myself by what others see me as but helping others uh, detach from their labels and define who they are uh, beneath the, the surface. Uh, and so what I've done since is I've created the legacy coaching. So it's mindful mental training. What does and that mean? So it's using the principles of mindfulness, you know, the whole idea of detaching from thought by defining your breath. Sure. Tell me about that. So uh, with mindfulness, it's like, you know, you're, you, when you meditate and I'm not a mindful, I'm not a uh, breathing expert by any means, but the whole idea is to become aware of your thoughts, not to label them as good or bad. Um, and kind of let them come and go by going back, constantly going back to your breath. So it's kind of like focusing on what you can control. Sounds like yoga. Yeah, very, very simple. And the power of home. Yeah. Yes. And so uh, focusing on what you can control and and, and letting uh, what you can't kind of pass by. Okay. Um, and so what I do is I believe it's uh, detachment through definition. And so what I mean by definition is actually writing. So the practice of writing and seeing mindfulness on paper to me is very powerful. Um, so when I had life coaches, when I was at Lululemon, we'd have these conversations about like, who are you? But then I'd leave even more confused because I was like, you get caught in this like, well, who am I? I'm going to try this on. I'm going to try that on. But what I realized was there there was no clear definition. And, I've, and I started to believe that, um, you know, we are complete and whole the way we are. And so when we discover things about ourselves, we're just peeling back and seeing what's already there. It's not so much learning these new pieces of wisdom. It's just accessing what was already there the whole time. And so I, I started to come up with these exercises and I, and I have a very, I know I have a very good mind as to how to, you know, attune to someone's awareness, dump it all out and then simplify. Cause I believe everything's connected. And like you were sure. saying with all the loose connections, right? That's what I do. Yeah. Cause I believe like who you are in one place is who you are everywhere. It just looks different. So my whole thing is if you, if you create a bunch of circles, you know, a bunch of labels of like who you are as a, as a parent, as a brother, as a son, as a cousin, as an employee, who you are in those places all looks different, but there's one thing right in between all of them that connects to all of them, and that's who you are, hmm. not what you are. How do you, yeah, yeah, but how do you access that? So, so it's by tuning to um, basically uh, what characteristics you display in each of those areas and starting to see the commonalities between all of them. And uh, what it, it, it's different for everybody, like everybody, you know, gets there differently, but the process is just kind of, um, first of all, thinking about yourself. I think so often we get caught up in thinking about what others think of us. Yeah. Um, and that's actually why legacy is upside down and flipped on my shirt is I believe that I define my life and my legacy. Therefore, when I look mm-hmm. down, I'm the only one that needs to read it. But did you not create your, you created your, you saw yourself as a coach. You saw yourself as an athlete. You created that though. So does that I, – I struggle with this all the time. Yeah. Like I struggle with the idea that am I defined as a physician? 
People don't see me. They see Dr. Price. I see. Actually, maybe they do see Ira. I don't know. But I see Doc. I see everything around me defined as, and it's going pretty deep, um, as I am a doctor. Without doctor, who am I? Right? What comes at that point in time? But I, I decided I was going to be the doctor. So does that not define who? Who I am. So it's not so much the, uh, I don't believe it's the title or the label. It's, it's kind of like, it's like I would tell people, it's like when they define themselves as like love, it's not like you're going to go up to be like, nice to meet you. I'm love. Although you do that. Right. Yeah, actually. I, I'm looking do. at this thing. It's <laughs> free hugs yeah. giveaway. If you want to catch you somewhere in Hamilton, dude, yeah, stands James, out a corner. James and, it's a great uh, way to pick King. up people. You'll find me, you'll find me <laughs> James and King once in a while. Um, but the idea Why is. Why do you do that, by the way? For me, it's the, it's the best way to, to connect with a community and get a pulse of a community. Really? Um, I love, like, the, my favorite thing about the sign of free hugs is those two words can break down so many barriers free between hugs. strangers. Right. And so I had, you know, and even the last time I did it last week, and I, I did it by myself for a little bit, and then I had some friends come join me. But what was really interesting was the first time that 70% of the people that hugged me were men. Really? Which never happens. And the amount of amount of those men that came up and were like, yo, I really needed this. Like, I really appreciate that. Wow. And it, it's, you know, there's so much you can feel through a hug. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's so important. And, I, and I'm not telling everybody, everybody needs to go out and give up free hugs. No, but, it, it, but it's, it's an emotion that we just, we don't express ourselves sure. well. Sure. Interesting. It's very comforting too. Totally. So many hugs you, it's a very, very comforting feeling for both of you. Totally. For sure. Yeah. And so going back to the yeah. characteristics. I go off. Yeah, I know. It's all good. I do the exact all same right, thing. I'm so like, it's perfect. I can feel. Flight of ideas. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and so for me, it's, it's about, um, you know, just like we were talking about the thoughts that you, you know, you can't control, um, your labels, we, we can't control, you know, like, um, it's like if I anchor myself in being a football, play, a football player, that title can be taken away from me. Right. Uh, it was given to me and it can be taken away. Very so easily. Dictated by other people. Right. But the characteristics that exist within us, those are within our control. Hmm. Not saying that I'm always love. I definitely judge. I definitely, you know, get stressed out, chaotic, whatever. But it's the idea of knowing that I have control over that. And so it's, it's the constant practice of going external world, internal world. And so what I always tell people is like it's, it's everything should be defined by you. So ability. So let me I'm going to I'm going to bring this to yeah, see a practical it. level just for, sure. for, for me and for whoever sure. maybe is listening. Um, we can bring it to the pain world, but I, I'm actually going to bring it back to myself because I do, I do that shit. Um, damn it. Uh, so, or I'll just talk about you as athlete or yeah. talk about me as athlete. Yeah. Defining one as an athlete, you're saying that's external world. The ability of the athlete, so your ability is your characteristic of that. So your athletic ability, I'm good. Like how would one break down athlete yeah. to external world if your athlete is athlete – a, are you able to take away the athlete out of you? No, I think it's a mindset. The football player may be able to be taken away, but the athlete isn't going to go. I was an athlete. I mean, I still right. I still consider myself an athlete, even though I'm not competing anymore. Because is there an athlete mentality? Um, but is it the ability then of the athlete? Is it which characteristics define that? Is what you're saying? Yeah. So it's it's kind of like I look at it like the. Um... It's, it's not so much the label of the cereal box, but it's the ingredients that make up the right. label. Okay. So it's uh, the ingredients that make up an athlete because, again, like athlete can be taken away, but that doesn't mean all the, those ingredients were taken away. So what are, give me an example of those ingredients this is what I'm trying to get at. Collaboration, teamwork, okay. communication, expressiveness, you know, uh, 
being dynamic, adaptable, those kind of things, mm-hmm. it's going to look different on the football field as it does mm-hmm. in the workplace or with your family or in a relationship. Right. But the idea is those can't be taken – that ability can't be taken away from you, but the label and the vehicle can. Which is why if you take like a Navy SEAL – out of being a Navy SEAL and you put them in an executive position, they're super successful yeah. because the traits that they've learned that who they are or the athlete, if you take an athlete out of that, you put them in another situation. I love athletes who are become employees or employers or whomever because they have that mentality. They're coachable, sure. right? And it's those mentalities you're talking about. So how would I, okay, go on. I'm listening. So, uh, and I have, I have one story that, that describes uh, what I believe in terms of an, an identity. So I believe that an identity is merely a vehicle to access love and validation. Okay. So and I'll tell you a story. So I coached my little cousin, uh, she's four years old. I coached her uh, soccer team and it was their first time ever playing. And so I show up and there's all these kids really excited to play. And, you know, we have a kid on the team picking daisies. We have a kid stopping in the middle of the game to hug a boy on the other team. And then we had wow. uh, a breakaway, kicked it seven yards to the, to the right of the net, and the goalie on the other team picked up the net and shifted it over so that we would score, right? Wow. So it's just like the purity of sport. You know, yeah. like human beings loving human beings, like one of those things, right? But what I started to, le- what I started to observe was um, parents and coaches were cheering loudest and most leading up to and after outcomes, okay? So like when a kid would touch a ball and they were about to score, they would start to cheer louder. So what I started to pick up on was halfway through the game, kids were starting to get really upset that they weren't touching the ball or being able to kick it. Hmm. So what I realized, I was like, wait a second. These kids don't care about kicking the ball. They care about being validated by their parents and coaches. So I realized that's where the athlete identity or any identity is formed. It's when you go, when I do blank, I will be validated. So these kids, you know, they start, they start getting upset. They start crying off to the sideline. And I'm like, this is where the athlete identity is formed. You try to prove your worth huh. through a vehicle, right? And what happens is you look at a professional you, athlete when you're when you you play sports at a young age. It, yeah, exactly. At a young Sounds age, like Gabor Mate talks about that stuff. And yeah. what happens is you put on that jersey. What do you get? You get attention, recognition. You get validation. You get love. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. all just love. That's all mm-hmm. it is. So what happens when you fast forward 15 years? You're a professional athlete. You take off that jersey. You don't lose who you are. You lose the ability to access love and validation through how you knew once you knew. And so what I do is I flip, I flip the script and the whole idea with self-definition is you take the love that you want external everyone around you and Mm -hmm. you direct it towards yourself. Mm. Because I believe all the love and validation we seek from everyone around us is actually within our complete control from within. And so the constant practice of um, of defining yourself and thinking about yourself is it's all about the intention and intention comes from the heart. So that's, that's a practice of self love. It's just to be with yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a, a big, you know, a big thing for me is, is it's so funny because when I speak to coaches, they're like, why the hell would I want my coach, my athletes talking about love? And it's like, well, the whole idea is my belief is emptiness is seeking love and validation. Whereas fulfillment is giving it directly to yourself. And I'm not saying that it's wrong to want love and validation from others, but the idea of going inside first and then attracting it from the outside, because that's fulfillment. Mm -hmm. If I'm constantly reaching for a compliment from you, if Mm -hmm. I'm constantly reaching for acknowledgement from you, I'm living your life. I'm living on your terms. For external validation. For external validation. You probably won't get it as well, right? The more you try to get it, the less you're going to get it. 100%. 100%. 
Interesting. Yeah. You know, that, the, that first, that concept is, is, you know, spectacular, actually opens my mind up quite a bit. The idea, but the idea that the way we learn things as children, mm-hmm. it, it not just, it carries on, but it's the way that we see, it's the way that we see our world. You, like you actually nailed it in my mind was the, that kid touched the ball. The parents started cheering. That kid got a good grade parents started cheering the kids did x the parent everybody starts cheering take that x away and what are you left with so how are we teaching our children so i firmly believe like i i you know i read a lot of gabor mate i'm like uh he's uh he's a psychiatrist uh but he in like world philosopher uh worked out of bc actually lives in la i think now i can't remember um he's wrote some amazing like uh, amazing texts and he talks a lot about addiction uh, in his uh, in his la- one of his books, I can't remember the Ghost Within, something like that. I, something like that. I can't remember. Uh, and but he talks about all of our problems today with like an individual's issues with ADHD, depression, or all these things are manifestations of trauma that we've had from a lack of validation in certain ways from our parents can when I, we were. Can young. I ask something? I've heard because I have ADHD, as you know. Uh, I have heard that uh, adoption or separation from a birth parent can be a cause. Have you heard anything about that? Well, I mean, I think if we just apply the principles of what Gabor's saying is it can be any really any sort of significant trauma. And the problem is we focus on our manifestations of the problem instead of the root cause of the problem, which is what you're what you're getting at. I think this I mean, that stuff just seems to make sense to me Um, that, you know, I can't. God damn it, parents! You screwed me up. <laughs> you, you made me a mess. So how do we unlearn yeah, thanks, these Mom. things that we've been we've been so so conditioned to to know they're part of you? There's no way I don't know how to get rid of them. Well, how does one get rid of those? So it, it, I don't think it's so much as as much as uh, getting rid of it as it is uh, um, loving it and accepting it. And I believe that's how we break the loop, right? It's like mm-hmm. a fear, like you know, if I think of a fear that I had when I was a kid. You know, I can't go back and change that moment, but I can reframe it with love, mm-hmm. right? So um, I think of, um, you know, there was a moment when I was younger where like, you know, this is a stupid one. I always had, I had a fear of public speaking, which is what I do now, uh, coincidentally. But wow. um, when I was eight, there was a talent show of 150 kids at this summer camp I went to. And when you're eight, 150 kids in a small room is a lot. Right? Yeah, for sure. And so I wasn't a part of the, the talent show by any means. But at the end, the, the guy goes, oh, the last person didn't show up. Does anyone out there want to uh, share a talent? And at the time, I was known for an E.T. voice. Remember E.T.? Can you, I love E.T. phone all. Yeah, Who doesn't know E.T.? Right? So, so all my friends were like, Vince, you have to get up there. You have to get up there. And instead of getting up on stage, I actually broke down in tears. I'm an emotional guy. And ran out of the room crying, right? Oh. And so since that moment, like, you know, from uh, when I was eight until when I discovered that this is where it came from, anytime there was a speaker or a teacher would, like, point and look at me, I'd get that same trigger. Right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I can't. That. I can't That's go- PTSD. That's a little post-traumatic stress mm-hmm. is so, how we would define that. Okay. So, no, that's yeah, great. Yeah. What's that, Al? The, the same kind of uh, – <laughs> I used to skate on my ankles. My ankles were twisted. My mom tried to put me into hockey. Nobody wanted me to play. I skated off, boo-hoo-hoo, mommy took me home. That has always deterred me from skating, although I used to go roller skating a lot. But I never got into hockey. I never got into 
you know, going for a skate down Lake Ontario or anything because of that, I think. Is that, is that make sense? A hundred percent. Yeah. So what do you do? This is so you, I'm okay. So you've defined a problem. Mm -hmm. We know that our, our childhoods, childrenhoods, what do we call that? Our childhoods. No, but like plural, how do you plural, pluralify? Adolescence. No, adolescence is like, it's too late by adolescence is too late to learn this stuff. The trauma happens between four and eight. That I'm like thoroughly convinced. I mean, I, I specifically know when, like, you know, this changing of schools for me in grade two, three, and then all the, the negative validation that I got just, yeah, woo that was great. So, but so if, how do we, if we recognize the problem happens at that, uh, I, I find it super difficult, and I think we all find it difficult to, uh, to break that mold. Acceptance is very difficult. Acceptance and that self-love and all these things you talk about, we all know this shit. I think most people understand that they need to do these things. But how do you tell, I'm talking to a chronic, and this can be, these are tough questions now. For sure. We have chronic pain patients. And, you know, we live in, in, we have mental health, people that suffer from mental health. And whether these are because of traumas uh, and if we listen to Gabor, if we these are traumas that happened when they were children that they don't even know about or they can't even remember because the subconscious has thrown them away. We recognize all these things. How do you move forward from that? So, you know, if we start, you're saying write it down on a piece of paper. I, I like that's where I'm trying to. Yeah. How do sure. we practically how do we put that into I don't want to identify as a chronic pain sufferer. I don't want my patients to identify as chronic pain sufferers. I want to, because they receive validation from, it's, it makes sense now. They receive a lot of validation from the world, but they should, or should they not? I don't know. I'm confused. Yeah, no, it's, it, fuck. I'm not saying like the answer is to write it down. Right. Like, for me, it's, it's constantly taking the thing that we're seeking yeah. and giving it inwards. Okay. Um, and what I think of, uh, you know, the way I look at self-love is like past, present, future, right? You right. Three, three sections of time. Past is all about forgiveness. Um, so it's not about um, waiting for someone else to forgive you. It's about forgiving yourself in, the, in those moments. Present is all about loving yourself right now. Future is all about trust. So, my, you know, a simple exercise that I that I go through, that I take myself through and I take a lot of my clients through is, you know, you, I, don't, I don't believe you can love yourself in the present until you forgive yourself for your past. Hmm. And I don't believe you can trust yourself in the future until you do those. those can uh, you say that again for me? So in the past, it's like a therapy session for it's, me. It's for, uh, in the past, it's forgiveness. Uh, the present, the present moment, it's love, and in the future, it's it's trust. Mm-hmm. You can do three without doing two and one, and you can't do two without one. Interesting. So that and that's just my belief. Like, I yeah, know no, no, but talk, no, this but is good. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. It seems like you're, you're like you've got some education behind you to to do these so, do these things. So a big thing, like, um, and, and the reason why the practice of writing is so important to me is again, it's intention. So instead of um, you know seeking the validation uh, from other people by telling them about like you know this is what I'm going through. Yeah, absolutely. I totally believe in expressing your truth and and enrolling people in, in what you're going through. Um, and I also uh, believe that taking the time to give yourself that love and validation through writing is very important. Um, cause I, I think with writing, it, it brings out feelings, it brings out truth. And, and my whole thing is we, we are what we want from others. Like, and, and what I want people to understand is beyond your trauma, beyond your, um, beyond everything you're, you're suffering from, you are, uh, love and you are light. 
underneath all of it. Mm-hmm. And what I want people to understand, because what happens is when we get so caught up in the surface, we don't see beyond the surface. Right. And um, I, I had a, a friend of mine describe this to me, like when we're born, we're these orbs of light and love. Right. So you're just like, I think of a kid. There's right. fearless. They, like, nothing. You know, flipping stuff, whatever. Yeah. It's just like, they just. I thought you were going to swear for No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. And what starts to happen is we start to form our, you know, our subconscious, our ego, and it's a cloud. Yeah. And the whole idea is in order to shine our light through the cloud, we first need to shine it on the cloud. Right. So it's about awareness. It's about acknowledging that there is, we are using these labels. Right. To cover up what exists inside. Right. And so I, and that's why I think it's so important for us to go back to like um, tapping into the wisdom that we already know. And that is love. Mm-hmm. We all have the ability to love. We all seek love. So it's just, it's constantly, for me, it's a constant practice of directing that back to yourself. And I think that, you know, writing yourself three letters, number one, I forgive you for, right. Number two, I love you because blank. And number three, I trust that. And this is the best part is it's not just a one. What was number three? I trust that. Like, I trust that you will blank. Oh, for the individual. For you. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And it's just speaking to you because the more we speak to others in those letters, the more we're giving them the power. Okay. And so, uh, I, and, and I think a great thing with self love is, uh, people are like, I don't know how to give the love, uh, the love that you're talking about. I don't know how to give it directly to myself. Right. And so what I do is I, okay, write out exactly what it, what it means to feel loved by say your partner or like your friend or whatever. And they write it out when they spend time with me, when they uh, have a conversation with me, when they do something for me, mm-hmm. right? If you just replace they with me, that's your greatest opportunity for love. Interesting. Yeah. How can we apply that? I mean, I, I love that. I actually think those are some really good, really good points. I'm try- how do I, how do we, how can I apply that to people that only see themselves as sufferers? Um, when they physically suffer, they mentally suffer, and the validation they receive is through suffering, mm-hmm. uh, is through other people acknowledging their suffering. Mm-hmm. And uh, how do I? How how can one switch that into into self love? Um, it makes it really it's 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 a super difficult task, and that's what we're challenged with here in our environment every single day and so then people manifest it in different ways they maybe go to mcdonald's every day and they they eat their their because that's their self-love is this is like all of the vices that we have make us feel better um so how do we take how do we flip that script i mean these things sound great like writing it down like you do write down i am a pain sufferer but i'm not going to accept it um, you know, it, it's, it's not about negating the truth. Like if the truth is you do suffer, then you suffer. Right. You know, it, it's, it's not so much, um, it's not so much like, Oh, everything's rainbows and daisies. Right. You know? And like, and it's actually something I, I strongly believe in is like the reason why there's, it's black and gold is because I believe there's beauty in the darkness. Right. And so it's finding the gifts within that because I, I think, um, our purpose in life is a direct reflection of the pain that we've endured. And so it's kind of like, what can we take from this moment and how can we help the world with what we've learned? And so it's turning it into contribution, not so much, um, uh, what's, the, what's the word I'm looking for? You can make a word up. Uh, Nobody cares. I like well, let's just end it at contribution. Fuck it. It's yeah. turning it into contribution. Right. And, um, and so, you know, and I'm not, you know, I'm not taking away the suffering. I'm not taking away any of that, but if, 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 a good point. if it is about the, um, the validation that they're seeking from other people. It's like, what comfort do they get from others when they say it's okay? Everything's going to be fine. Cause it's like, are you telling yourself it's okay? Everything's going to be fine. Or are you just waiting for someone else to say it? 
And so it's, I'm usually waiting. We're usually waiting for other people to other people to validate that it's going to be fine. Yeah. Because as much as we try to say it's going to be fine, you know, I try to think. I try to use like like stoic thinking, where look at the worst case scenario. Is it that bad? Really? At the end of the day, you know. Um, and and so stoic thinking would say, what is the worst case scenario? It's survivable. Right. I guess at the end of the day, the worst case scenario is never that bad. Mm -hmm. But but still, how do you like how do you how do you move forward from it? It's it just seems so difficult. There's a there's Susan Jeffers, who's like another philosophy person, another self-help person. She's got she actually says something that I'm in sort of like what you're saying. I, I kind of agree with it is we spend so much time on the idea that we have to change, that we're looking for our passion. There's like this one thing that we have to do. We spend all this time focusing on giving up the negativity instead of learning how to walk beside it. So, okay. I love that. I love that you said that because I think that I speak to a lot of kids and I do a lot of these workshops for, for our youth. Yeah. And what I've learned is kids are so caught up in, and not just kids, we all are mm-hmm. so caught up in everything needs to be happy all the time. What do you want? Like, I want to be happy all the time. Right. But the truth is, there, it's always going to be up and down. It's ebb and flow. How high and how low you go is up to you. Interesting. But the whole idea is the true, the true um, inner peace that that is possible in life is sitting right in between both, uh, in between the ebbs and the flows. Mm-hmm. Going, I won't let this define me. Right. Right. But it's not going like, well, I'm not going to ride that wave because you're going to ride that wave. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I learned this the hard way. Like, my, um, I lost my dad uh, a year and a half ago to a heart attack. And it was sudden. And it was one of those things you start to learn, like, you know, like I can be like, you know what? Everything's fine. Like everything's great. But deep down I was suffering. Right. And I was really suffering and, and, and ignoring it, ignoring it. Absolutely. Because, and, and for me, it took, I need to get, get a grief counselor um, to help me. And it, it helped a ton because you start to express these things and whatnot. But what I learned too was I was thinking about uh, um, when I, when I would zoom out on myself, when I would get the feelings of my dad, I would go on social media and aimlessly scroll. And so what I did was I wasn't connecting with my suffering. Mm-hmm. I was connecting with something outside of myself to deflect the suffering. So I wasn't accepting huh. it. And so it's not like – I'm not saying that like sit in the pile of shit and just yeah. sit there forever. Oh, right. Yeah. No, that was a good yeah. moment. <laughs> that was a perfect moment. Yeah. yeah. But what I'm saying is like sit in the shit. We'll throw another one in there. Got it. Okay. But trust that you're going to get out of it. But what I'm talking about is when you're in the darkness, what are you gathering so that when you get back to the light, you're like, look, look at these tools that I look at, look at look what I've gained. And I think of a swing. I always think of a swing. Okay. So with a swing, the, the more you, the more effort you put into going back, the more, the more uh, you're going to have a ride going forward. Right. I look at it like the, the darkness, as far as you go into the dark, is as much as you can appreciate the light. You know, my father used to say something very similar, and I think he learns it from his spiritual path. Is There's a saying in Hebrew or uh, in like mystic thought is sometimes you got to go down to go up. Yes. Um, and while you're down there, it's exactly what you're saying is – but I never thought about what you gain on the way down. For sure. Uh-huh. You, you got to gain your knowledge. You got to gain experience. But if, well, but you got, but it's not just appreciating the dark. It's what are you gaining from being in that moment that can bring you up higher than you were before? Yes. And, and I think to go a little deeper, I, I believe purpose is like a blood type. Okay. So only certain people can help certain people. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. So certain people who go into the darkness, they really feel it and they're there and they're, they acknowledge it. And it's like, this is suffering. Like I'm, I'm, you know what? Like I'm going to gather this so I can help other people. Now you can take those gifts Interesting. and help others who are, who are about to experience the same thing or are experiencing the same mm-hmm. thing. And I'm not saying for those listening who are like, it's not epigenetics, is it? Yeah. It's not epigenetics. That's not what that means. Is that? I can't remember. Anyway, yeah. So it, 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 I'm not. I'm not saying like you know everything should be fi- like fine and dandy. That's not what I'm saying. Okay. I'm saying it, it's uh, um, uh, take whatever you can from the darkness and bring it to light. Mm-hmm. And when I say bring it to light, it's about contribution. It's about helping others. And like because that's that's what we all uh, long for, mm-hmm. right? Is that connection with others and, and helping them. And, you know, you see it. I mean, we can go so deep with this, but like social media, it's like kid, people are disconnected, right? There's no connection. There's no contribution. There, I mean, not no. I'm, I'm there, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, well, there, but there's, 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 we there can do is. a lot better. Interesting for a millennial to say that. Yeah. As, as, yeah. <laughs> right? Yes, yeah, yeah. And so, but as human beings, right. I, I think it, it's so important. And that's why we're here, right? To, to help ourselves first so that we can help other people. And a lot of people challenge me on self-love where they go, yeah, okay, so you help yourself, but that's selfish. Right. So I hear that often too. So, you know, I've been in this position where you know, for so long I've given we've, – we've all done this. We've given so much of ourselves to somebody else, to everybody else, people, family, friends, community, patients, whatever, you name it. And at some point you're like, fuck it. I got to take care of me now. But th- I guess there has to be a happy medium. Right, you can't just be all you. But if if you're still if if you're still working on yourself at I mean at every any given time, to me it's like a Venn diagram. There's you know there's like there's certain parts of it. You're always working on part of it, right? And so we I guess we have to just keep on working on all the parts all the time. It's exhausting a little, no? Yeah, I I think for, I swore, my yeah. pers- my perspective uh, twice actually. So um, so my uh, my perspective on this is uh, you know I, I think of the word selfless. Yeah. If you look at the word selfless and just as it is, it's less of self. Right. Okay. But if you are uh, you know it could be selfish, selfful, whatever word you want to come up with. But if you are selfish with the intention of being selfless, that's where that's true self love. Because it's not about loving yourself so it's like, screw you, I'm good. I'm happy the way I am. No. There's a human experience right in front of us that we need to take care of. Okay. But it's the intention of I'm going to fill my cup so that I can pour out of it. You can it's, help others, yeah. Exactly. So it's all about intention because you know something I stand for is like intention comes from the heart. Okay. Right? And so it, it's um, – and that's why you know when you talk about your patients, I would constantly ask why. Why, why, why? Because why comes from the heart. What in the how is in the head. And I'm not saying the head is, is wrong. I'm just saying that the heart never lies. Understood. So it's constantly taking whatever they bring up here and going going in here. And so what I think of is, you know like those like gender reveal parties where there's balloons in a box yeah, that yeah. opens up? So my – okay. So oh, if you think of like – Honestly, I can't stand I know. I know. Like, but they drive me fucking just mad. Just for the analogy. Like, just for the analogy. Like, oh, pop the damn yeah. balloon. <laughs> so – so, so I think of like human, on me. human beings. <laughs> I got four kids. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I believe like so with human beings, we all have these like balloons of say love within yeah. us, right? Right in our heart. And sometimes it takes some reconfiguring in the mind for all of that to be released out into the world. Mm-hmm. So it's really important to go through the mind to the heart, but just also to know that the, the heart, the, the mind can also block off the heart. Right, of course. But yes. when you constantly ask why, you're digging deeper and deeper into the intention, which comes from here. 
So, you know, anyone listening, I think that's the best way to listen to people is to constantly ask why. Think of kids, right? How many times do they go, wow. Daddy, why? 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 they're living from here. Right. You know, so it's, it's – That's a really impo- – that's so important. And yeah. it's so important to answer those whys too. For sure. Even if you don't know. Right. For sure. Yeah, I totally yeah. agree. Yeah. I usually just say because. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why? Because. Yeah. Why? I just yeah. make shit up. They're not really paying any attention anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why? What, what, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's why. All right. Because you gotta, you know, you, know you just told all the listeners that, right? What did I tell because. them? <laughs> because? because, because, because. Well, I'm talking about, you know, when a kid, come on, listen, Al. <laughs> I am when listening. A, I'm just kidding, kids. Because? <laughs> <laughs> no, I am just kidding. That was a joke. Al, thanks for pointing that out. Can we move on from that? So, are you saying? I I believe that the mind controls the heart. Um, Certainly, we, it, it has the ability to, but you can also, you can't, you know, it's like saying you can control somebody's actions, but you can't control their thoughts. Um, should we be living from You can only control yourself, right? I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about other people. Well, we, no, not true, because we have a law that says, I, there's no law that says don't think some way. It's a law that says, otherwise we'd be living in that uh, dystopian book that somebody read and wrote the, that I was supposed cave. to read High school, I don't remember. It's called Fifty Shades of Grey or something. No, that's the wrong one. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. Or other novel. Right. <laughs> Orwell's other novel. No, I can't remember what it was called. It was, was that 1984? Yeah. yeah. So you can't control, right, it was thought, something think, super think, I don't know. Oh, right, wrong thing. Wrong, whatever it was called, I don't know. Um, okay, whatever. Anyway, point, I don't even remember my damn point anymore. It got me off topic. That's original. That's right. a typical diagnosis of ADHD. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> thanks. Um, no, I think what I was trying to say is we do have laws that, and we, but no law tells you how to think. It just tells you how to act. Um, so we recognize, you know, potentially that thing. Uh, but so how do you live? Do you live? How does one who's a sufferer, who suffers from depression, suffers from PTSD, suffers from, where do they start? Suffers from chronic pain versus, see, what really I I keep coming back to is where you said you're not defined by what you do um, and by the label. Labels don't define who you are. Uh, But if you label yourself a chronic pain sufferer, well, you're putting yourself at a disadvantage. For sure. So what do you do? Break it down. How do you start? How does somebody start that? How does somebody start that process? Because right now, sorry, just to finish that there's people that we all know that label themselves as chronic pain sufferers and then have pretty negative vices to deal with those things mm-hmm. versus looking internally to uh, help themselves get over those things. So where do they start and how do they what would they what would somebody do in that situation? So um, the, the first thing I, I would say is like I, the best question that I always think about is like if you remove everything, what are you left with? You know, it's like for an athlete, if you remove sport, what are you left with? If you remove, you know, your, your, I don't know. That's, that's the thing. So it's, but it's constantly thinking about it. Um, so it's like put, it's the intention of thinking about, you know, again, we're talking about below the surface. Um, the second is like, a, I believe in this four step process where it's awareness, detachment, creation, implementation. And so awareness is like awareness of the label. Okay. Do you want to keep it? Yes or no? Like, does it serve you? Yes or no? And if it's no, get rid of it. And when you get rid of it, you got to create a new one. So if it's like you're getting rid of your label of what you what you are, 
Now you got to create a new one of who you are, right? So it's like, instead of saying I'm a football player, it's like, you know what? I'm a loving teammate, okay? And then it's the implementation. It's the constant practice of that thing. Because, you know, too, it's like so much comes along with that label. And I think of like, it even goes as deep as our names. Like for yes. me, Vince, like Vince, all Vince is, is Vince is a is an Italian. Of, yeah, is an Italian. <laughs> but like as a kid, as a kid, it's like, oh, Vince, you're the funny guy. Oh, Vince, right. you're the, incons- you know, you're inconsistent. Yes. Oh, Vince, you're It's this. all labels. And so somebody goes, you know, people who validate you go like, Vince, you're really funny. And I go, I'm funny. And then you kind of buy into Do whatever so. they right. are, right? Vince, you're inconsistent. I'm inconsistent. You become whatever those people who validate you believe of you. Mm-hmm. So it's stripping away all of that. And I'm not, it's not, it's a lot easier said than done. Absolutely. But it's constant reflection and it's, and it's the intention of focusing on you, not others. And I'm not, again, I'm not, I'm not saying don't listen to other people, don't talk to other people, but it's the idea of like, get yourself a journal and just start writing, you know, and just start thinking about these things. Like without blank, what am I left with? And if it's, I don't know, I don't know. Why don't you know? And just keep going. Mm-hmm. And this is, again, it's, it's all about intention. And I think, you know, so much of like in my times of depression, it's like you get so caught up in how you're supposed to be yeah. that you forget about how you are right. or who you are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and it, it's, I just think of suppression, right? And like um, a big thing for me is expression. Like, you know, you're either – you're either um, expressing or you're suppressing. Right. And so for me, when, when I get down and I'm depressed, I keep everything in. And it just gets worse and worse and worse and it bottles up in here. Right. For me, the best way to get out of that is through expression of truth. So if that's in a journal, if that's to my best friend, if that's my family, if that's on social media, like, hey, this is what I'm going through, which I don't absolutely love. But, you know, sometimes I express stuff about my dad is it imp- Is it important to be to do it through social media i think i i'm actually not super against it i think yeah. it's you know in my mind i think social media is like most things in the world sorry the music they start dancing next oh, door good. at four it's o'clock we're gonna start dancing after this yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. we could go down listen i can do a mean pirouette <laughs> wow it's, like you should I'd see like that see action that. you should see that action like i I could point my toes. I, oh, computer. I only break. <laughs> I'm a little clumsy. So, no, but I, I think that most things are a vessel. They're vessels. You can either use it for good or for bad. And they're neutral, I guess, is the best way to put it. Most things are neutral. And if you use it towards something that's positive, then it's then it can be used, like, for example, you can watch TV and you can watch a charity event. Mm-hmm. Or you can do what I normally do and watch, like, some kick-ass documentary or show or whatever that's probably useless, not helping anything in the world. Uh, but um, – or you can use it that way, right? Or you can sit on the couch and just be a sloth. Or you can have people over and have a meditative sort of thing. So most things are are, are neutral. Um but how important do you like, is it important to express, you see everybody expressing themselves. I'm one too. I put, I've got a social media thing and I put all this stuff on there. Is it important to express yourself through social media? Is that important? Yeah. I think, I think there's levels to it, right? Like, cause I express myself as well. Like I expressed a lot of, you know, truth and vulnerability. Like, I don't yeah. even like the word vulnerability. I like the word truth mm-hmm. because that's all vulnerability is. We've attached weakness to expressing truth. Weird. You know? Totally so, agree. Right. Mm-hmm. Especially for men. I think it's so important mm-hmm. for us to, um, to think about truth because it, it's it's very hard to go can you be vulnerable for a second but if you go can you just tell me what you're actually feeling right to be like yeah i can tell you that yeah, you yeah. Know? And it, mm. again easier said than done but it's the, it's accessing the truth right and so i think again it goes back to intention why are you posting it mm-hmm. so i always ask myself like am i posting this so that people validate me and oh that, that vince he's always doing great things for you know his free hugs and this and that and it's like 
or am I doing it because I want to make the world a better place with this message? Right. And so that's why I constantly ask, and I'm like, you know what? If it's not the latter, I'm not, I, I don't want to do it. Because if I'm doing it just to get the validation, it's, it's, it seems empty to me, you know? And I've been caught up in that. You post something, you're like, who's liking this? All the, you know? How, like, I think we're all, I mean, at least I'm super sure. guilty of that. Every hour for the first hour of a yeah, post yeah, is, yeah, yeah. how many likes do I have? Who fucking cares exactly. how many likes yeah, yeah. I have, right? Are, do you do that? I don't even you have swear? Facebook. Oh, you don't have Facebook? My girlfriend made my Facebook when we had to go on a trip and I had to have a Facebook. You're like the ginger Jesus. Yeah, I never have Facebook. I have Instagram, but... I post things that I want people to see. I don't care if you like it or not. No <laughs> care whatsoever right. to affect me. Right. I just that's the way I am, and people say that I'm lucky because I think that way, but it's just the way I am. Yeah, for sure. But how do you get through those those times, those dark times that you know most people who suffer have? I actually like that. Was it awareness, detachment, creation, implementation? Yes. In that order, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's. I think that's excellent. I think that. I think we we can implement something similar to that. That's actually sure. a great idea for people who suffer just in general to write it down. And the implementation, it's just so important to do that. And you teach that stuff. I think yeah. the reason why too, the whole thing of why and digging into why will help people realize why. Like if you don't question yourself, you're never going to figure it out. If you just keep going along with it and saying, yeah, I suffer, yeah, I suffer, but you don't question why, you'll never, ever figure it out. The cool thing thing about the why as well is it takes people back to a moment where they made a conscious choice. Mm -hmm. So I had this instance where I was working with this basketball team and the kid showed up late and he apologized to the coach. He's like, sorry, I'm late. And he's like, okay, writes his name down, sits down. Mm -hmm. And so I I kind of brought some attention to it. I said like, there's no um, ownership there. There's no um, acceptance of the decisions that were the conscious decisions that were made that led to the outcome of being late. Right. But if you constantly go why why why, and then you keep going back to the moment he made a conscious choice of like I woke up and I scrolled Instagram instead of getting my stuff on and, and leaving. There's no ownership. You're you're kind of protecting yourself. We all do that. From the yep. truth. For sure, absolutely. We I mean, that. I do that. Yeah. yeah. Wake up. Oh, let's see. Yeah, yeah. But, so but, bad. But it's the idea of, and I keep thinking of levels, right? It's like sorry is just like protecting yourself in this. In this little fortress, right? Whereas, why, why, why is like opening the doors and going, yeah, yeah. I woke up and I scrolled through Instagram, and that's why I'm late, right? You know, and I think um, it, it's ownership is a massive thing, right? Because ownership, you're giving yourself power, extreme ownership. But if you're like, Sounds no, it like was Aubrey there, Marcus, he says yeah. that stuff. Extreme yeah, yeah. ownership, He's that's awesome. his. I love Aubrey yeah, Marcus. Yeah, yeah I listen to him all the time. Yeah. He actually today, I just read one of his posts, which brings me to all this stuff was. How long does it, at least the question was, how long does it take to learn a lesson? I don't know. How long you want it to how, Right. So, like, how long, like, if we realize these things, you just got to keep on drilling it in and using all those things that you're, you're teaching. So what kind of courses are you teaching now? Tell me about, like, let's, you know, we've got, you know, a couple minutes left here. I want to, yeah. I think a lot of people can get a lot of help. I mean, I'm getting help. Shit, this mm-hmm. is like a... A therapy session, I, I swore. <laughs> but it was a small swear, a mini swear. So, so only five cents. Yeah. It was a five. Yeah, So the uh, where I'm at now is I, I do I run workshops, okay, um, group workshops, um, and I have 84 modules that I've created. Wow, 84. 84. So it's uh, it's all based off of 12 core modules, starting with who are you, going getting into stuff like what's my inner dialogue, what's my purpose, what are my fears, uh, my legacy, vision, goals, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, uh, but the whole idea is I have modules branching off all of those. And so, um, I'm in the process right now, launching April 15th, uh, a self-guided 
journey through my website mm-hmm. um, where people can go on and it's just it's journal assistant so you're there and you just kind of you know I'm guiding you along and kind of like a, a presentation mm-hmm. um, and then I also have um, a 12-week program that I launch every six weeks um, right now we're about three weeks into our last one and um, we go through the 12 core modules um, but the uh, right now I'm, I'm kind of going into that realm of um, the online space to help as many people as I can um, so that I can, you know, I can go out and work in schools and organizations yeah. and teams. And stuff <laughs> who, like do you, that. who do you, who is your like ultimate target? Honestly, kids. Because I, that's where it starts. And the, the, the crazy thing and going back to what we were talking about too, what I've realized my, my job is, is to help kids embrace their wisdom and help adults tap into their inner child wisdom. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's like I said, it's all the stuff that already exists within us, and and people, anybody that has gone through a session of mine, I don't tell them anything. I guide them to discover it for themselves. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I'm not like leading you to be like your love, your love, or your creation. Right. It's just like I'll I'll pry, I'll, I'll keep going deeper, deeper, deeper to the why, mm-hmm. and then they'll start to see all those things come out. Um, and so the whole idea is, it's, it's I believe in the term guided discovery. So it's you set the parameters for someone and you let them discover it for themselves. So it's not so much handing someone the keys as it is building the car and be like, this is the track. Interesting. You know? That sounds super amazing. I think uh, I think most of us can use a lot of inner child healing. Yeah. Uh, I think they're all broken. That's what, yeah, yeah, I think most of us brought up to and it's I mean it's well there's no guide to go along with parenting there's no guide to go along with most of the shit we do we just sort of make it up as we go along mm-hmm. and but I firmly believe that even if you think you had the perfect childhood that you know and whatever it was as enlightened as your parents were as not enlightened oh, as it doesn't matter, it doesn't yeah, matter. Really there's 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 yeah. mo- there, there are moments of trauma that will stick with you forever that you talked about that 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 external validation that kicked the ball. Did they clap afterwards? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we still need those things and we're, we've become super soft as a culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, hence why people don't want to go outside in the non-existent <laughs> storm because well, we're going to preemptively strike the storm. So we're going to cancel school. Thanks to the school who, who can't pick your kids up by three thirty today. Cause if you don't, the storm, which hasn't hit is going to kill you. You know, somehow we all survive the next day. You know, it drives me fucking mad. Like school at this kid's school that my daughter goes to, I will not mention, but it's a wonderful, wonderful school. But out of what, how many days, 20 days of this month, I think like 10 of them have been canceled. Wow. Like uh, at least nine. I don't know. Because of weather. But but honestly, like I went to school. I, I went to school with no mm-hmm. shoes. I you just tell me that you, you're Canadian? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> shit. I caught myself saying that. I got to throw a bunch of these things in here. Um, yeah, but we need a lot, of, a lot of that healing. I think everybody can use it. And I think a lot of our trauma starts from childhood. And people say, ah, oh, it doesn't really matter what school they go or who they went to. Well, Friends, school, family. I, honestly, it comes to family. Um, a lot of our connections, our attachments are to the wrong things. We're connected to social media because we didn't connect to the right things when we were younger. You know, and we're connected to uh, external validation because we, we missed that class when we were you know when we were younger or there was some specific moment of trauma and in that moment uh you we were externally validated that felt really good and that you never want to forget and so all those things like you sort of brought all these things up which i think are super amazing to remember for us and especially for people that are listening that are chronic pain sufferers and who do come to our clinics and 
who are out there just using cannabis to self-medicate for whatever reason. Using cannabis, and I'm going to bring this back in, um, just uh, first off, thank you so much. You were just, you were amazing. Shoot, we can sit here for a long time and keep this discussion going. And truth is, next week we're going to bring on Naz to talk about her story as well. And we're working on a wellness, like uh, it's it's one thing to just prescribe people medicine, but it's another thing to change who you are and why you're medicating, right? So no longer like just think about when you're self-medicating, the, the I'm going to take this because it makes me feel better because that we're just t- treating the manifestation of the cause. Let's get to the root cause of the why, like you said. Like, that's amazing. Why do I need to self-medicate? Why, 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 why? Like the child says, why? Because they're thinking from their heart, right? Oh, mm-hmm. genius. I love what you're saying here. It was just amazing. Thank you so much for being, for being on today. Uh, honestly, uh, we learned a lot. and. Uh, I want to keep this kind of thing going. So just a couple things as we uh, – Al, you got, we want anything to say here before I got a couple minutes left? Uh, you know, I don't know. I'm I've got a mesmerized. <laughs> right. It's just uh, just amazing. Like, yeah, though this is the stuff I think we need to hear and we're going to do a lot more of it. Um, let's just get into a couple things here about, about cannabis as we move on. So um, as we, we come to a close, I think, uh, again – Tillery put this out. I think it's a really good, uh, a good addition to uh, to your arm. Um, it's my word. Just I made that up. My armory. 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 There. You want to talk? You, so it talks about the difference between medical cannabis and recreational cannabis. So basically, it's just stating the differences between if you are a medical patient and a normal recreational user within Canada. So things like if you're a medical patient, you can actually claim your receipts back on your income tax. Whereas if you're a recreational user, you cannot do that. And then things like as a medical patient, you can possess up to 150 grams on your person. But as a recreational person, you can only carry up to 30 grams. Other things like product counseling. So when you go to any recreational store, say in BC, Alberta, or any of those now, because there's none in Ontario currently, they are not allowed to give you any advice on the strain or specifics about the cannabis. They're just allowed to sell it to you. But as a medical patient, you can consult your physicians, the people who work within their clinics, and things like that. When you're buying from a medical Don't producer, sound like you're too tired fucking talking here. I'm, I'm running out of breath. Oh. <laughs> so when it comes to quality control as well, when you're grabbing cannabis from a medical purpose, it means that you're grabbing it from a GMP-certified facility no matter what. When it comes to craft boutiques, there are less strenuous requirements for the cannabis. It can be sold to them from... A third party is allowed as long as they test it before, so there can be discrepancies there. Also, when you're looking for mainly medical products like CBD products, where the recreational market has a lot of them available, but not as readily available as the medical market. They both have THC, but obviously the recreational market is more driven towards the THC high strains, so those would be easier to obtain recreationally. And then it comes down to cost as well. Insurance companies are starting to get involved with medical cannabis now, as we know. So soon, medical cannabis will be covered by most insurance providers. Recreational cannabis never so, will be covered. Good point. I'm just gonna I'm gonna plug a couple yeah. of things here at the end. Do you want to plug stuff? I think you did. Do you want anything yeah. else? To talk I'll just about? say on Instagram, I'm at the Legacy Coaching and thelegacycoaching.com. Okay, uh, I would totally check it out. I'm actually on there right now and looking at free hugs. I'm thinking I'm going to the next place he is, and we're just going to start hugging it out. Yeah, uh, I love it. On I the insurance, 
Yeah, see, we're all he come down to Gungeonistas. Yeah, come hug. down to Gungeonistas and and hug me. I'm there uh, tomorrow all day. Uh, oh, oh, I thought it was Mondays. Um, okay, so no, I, I'm, I'm, I, oh, that's the market. I'm there on Thursdays. Oh, okay. All oh, right, Tomorrow's I'm Thursday. there on Thursday, Mondays, Mondays, Thursdays, and Fridays. I do the 420 radio show from there. I can't keep all these things in my head. Yeah, you'll get there. All right, a couple things to take in. So on the on the uh, the insurance or the coverage front, mm-hmm. check out buywell.com and you can uh, one you it's like your natural health and wellness uh, e-commerce site uh, for all things health and wellness, but it's also got coverage for uh, uh, for medical cannabis that's on there, and you can uh, you can save up to fifteen percent in Ontario, twenty percent in British Columbia. It's really cool. It's a great platform, and uh, I'm totally into it, and I'm totally on it. Uh, so, uh, and you'll see some of my stuff on there as well. And I think it's great. Uh, we should all do that. Um, also, this is really interesting. This is great news. Spinco is opening up in, uh, in Hamilton. Naz and myself have, uh, uh, mostly Naz, uh, who's an instructor. Spinco is like soul cycle, but like, oh, I didn't say that. Um, <laughs> but well, it's just so like on crack. It's amazing. It's like way better to me. And so, uh, if you've heard of those things, it's a spin studio. It's Canada's largest uh, sort of franchise when it comes to uh, spinning and it's it's like being in a club with music you've gone to it it's really oh, it cool was amazing I went to the one in Oakville and yeah. it was very bougie you were treated very very well the equipment <laughs> be so was bougie here, super but... clean it was a very very nice facility yeah it was awesome and I got halfway through it and was pretty much dead <laughs> <laughs> I love it I go three times a week it's amazing it's a great workout there's awesome people it's uh it's a great team and it's a great community um we're opening in Hamilton likely probably around June time so it'll open up in the summer uh check it out at Spinco Hamilton on Instagram and uh and follow it uh be really cool also you can follow my Instagram at Dr. Ira Price uh, and then you can listen to this podcast will be on 420radio.ca, but it'll also be on Synergy – or not Synergy, sorry. It'll be on the Higher Estate podcast that is on iTunes and SoundCloud, and uh, eventually our video, the video of it, will be up on YouTube. And right now it's under Synergy Health TV, uh, but we'll probably switch that up and do some other things. And uh, Thanks, Lucas, for uh, doing all what you do. I'm happy you're back, yo. Uh, Also, I'd like to, before we go. Al, you're amazing, wonderful as usual. Really glad to be back next Wednesday, (laughs) Wednesday 3 till 4.20. We are done. Cool. I just got one thing to say. If you're having issues with opiates in Hamilton, we're doing a hope on Thursday. Come on into the lounge and you'll get some information there. Excellent. Yes. Perfect. See ya. See ya. Night peeps. Good night. Are you looking for cannabis news, education, and people's opinions? Are you looking to learn what Canadian and international cannabis advocates are doing? Not only now, but what got them to this point in their lives and what does the future hold for them? Do you want to learn how patients are using cannabis as a daily medication? Or learn how their cannabis use helps them with their medical condition? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then I'm going to suggest to you to tune in to Lifestyle Radio. Catch their live weekly shows and have your questions and concerns answered and find the experience you're looking for. Monday, 
catch your weekly news broadcast with the Reef Reporters. Then on Wednesday, get several hours worth of cannabis public education. We get things started with cannabis and coffee with Tamarawana. Then tune in and catch Pottawa with Russell Barth, who calls himself the world's angriest pothead. Finish up your evening with the award-winning Pace Radio Show with Al Graham and joint host Kim Cooper and Alicia Yashishin. No week would be complete without tuning into Friday night's program, the 420 Radio Show featuring Al Rapp and the 420 Radio crew, Mary Jane Baker and Marcel Gignac. Cannabis is a lifestyle, and you can catch all your cannabis lifestyle information right here at lifestyleradio.net or at our sister site, 420radio.ca. Hey, this is Cheech. And this is Chong. And you're listening to Lifestyle Radio. What is it? Lifestyle Radio. Say it one more time. 420 Radio? Ooh. Legacy 420 has medicinal and recreational products down to a science. Literally. With two biochemists on staff and a chief scientific advisor, every product is tested in the Legacy 420 laboratory. Legacy 420, Ty and Denega. Open 9 to 9 every day. Visit Legacy420.com. So what are you doing? Nothing. Nothing? Why not? Trying to get on this Lifestyle Radio website. Sounds like a cool website. Yeah, it's alright. Oh, I might have it. You might have it. You're listening to Lifestyle Radio. The opinions expressed during this show are those of the individual participants and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of their associated organizations or Lifestyle Radio. It's fantastic. Palmer's works, and I'm the proof. That's Livia Tedesco talking about Palmer's Cocoa Butter Formula Skin Therapy Oil. I've had a scar on my forehead ever since I was a little girl, and I was very self-conscious about it until I started using Palmer's Skin Therapy Oil. Palmer's Skin Therapy Oil is an advanced formula that improves the appearance of scars, stretch marks, dry, uneven skin tone, and aging skin. I used Skin Therapy Oil, and I absolutely love the results. Now I'm using it all over. Palmer's Cocoa Butter Formula Skin Therapy Oil. Palmer's. Choose what's real. Glen Eden is your small hill with big heart. Just 10 minutes west of Mississauga in Milton, Glen Eden offers great rates, lessons for all ages and abilities, and amazing family-friendly terrain. Visit online at glenedon.on.ca.